0: And welcome to the Millennial Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Sheree Allen, a board-certified family physician who's passionate about the health of my fellow millennials. I know we're booked and busy, but your first wealth is your health. So I'm taking some of my most important health messages and bringing them here to you on this podcast. My goal is to share some valuable information and draw awareness to some important health topics. But I encourage you to please consult your physician for personalized medical advice. So today we're joined by one of my favorite people from hashtag MedTwitter, Dr. Jessie Gold. She's an assistant professor and the director of wellness, engagement, and outreach in the Department of Psychiatry at Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis. She's a nationally recognized expert on healthcare worker mental health and burnout, particularly during this pandemic. That's one of the major reasons why I wanted to have this conversation with her today. Let's get into stress and burnout and when it crosses the threshold of a diagnosis of anxiety or even depression. It's so important for us to separate these terms. So, Jesse, please help us out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's really confusing. I think mental health is one of those topics where a lot of things have kind of passed into popular culture. And so people use terms like kind of loosely and and don't really mean what they mean, or they mean the symptom, but not the disorder. So anxiety is really common with that. So like when you say you're anxious, but you mean you're worried, but you don't, you mean you have an anxiety disorder that has a bunch of other symptoms that has lasted for months. That's a very different thing to me, right? So burnout is sort of like that in my opinion, especially more lately because I think with workplace stress and workplace um, you know mental health challenges, it's very common for people to use that term. It has become sort of a catch-all, but when it when it's used appropriately, um, really what it means is it's it's um, emotional exhaustion. Which, is, which can look like physical exhaustion to people, don't get me wrong, um, depersonalization, which is sort of like, I don't really like feel like doing this, that person is just a person that I'm treating as a, you know, or like I'm going through my day, but it doesn't feel like I'm really connected to it or you start to snap at more people, sometimes that's a sign. So that's like a depersonalization sign. And then the third thing is a sense of reduced personal accomplishment, which is probably the one that I think people come to realize most often because the other two, like we're very used to being exhausted. There's lots of reasons we're exhausted emotionally and physically. And there are lots of reasons we can kind of feel disconnected from what we're doing, but like not actually getting stuff done does not make us happy. So we are in a culture where getting stuff done is really important and is very prioritized and like, we often define ourselves by it. So the second that we stop being able to like do things and turn them in, or somebody makes a comment or something, that's when people start to notice that something's off or they're burnt out or whatever. Burnout has to be associated with work. So it's not all these other things. I think that that's important. Um, I think that sometimes when people say they're burnt out and they mean they're actually anxious or depressed, that's just because, we aren't used to using those words as comfortably. We don't like feelings words. We don't like mental health. We talk a lot about burnout because it's kind of safe. Like, I worked hard and I got tired so much so that it made me feel these things. And that's, like, reasonable to people. Like, that's a almost expected outcome of work. It's probably most surprising to people that it can actually be so bad or have such an impact that you could need to miss work because of it or really struggle because of it. But you can. It's a big thing. But I often think of burnout as like definitely separate than depression and anxiety and all these other things, but also a precursor for it. So people that have burnout are like, you know, more likely to become depressed or to have suicidal thoughts at double the rate or to use substances. So they can both be separate things or sort of like a step along the path, but they are not the same.
0: So then I love that you mentioned we are more comfortable saying burnout or lower risk words or terms, right? Seemingly. So when do we cross that line and what are some things you can tell us to help recognize within ourselves and maybe within our friends and colleagues that we've crossed the line? This is not just in air quotes stress or in air quotes burnout. And there's real pathology here that we need to progress and get some professional help for.
1: Yeah. So I like to think about that more like, you know, those are those three symptoms that are, you know, that you'll notice for burnout it's associated with work but once you start to get into things where your mood is affected where you're feeling sad or irritable because irritability like chronic irritability or just being real pissed off is also a sign of anxiety or depression people just don't always notice that um if it starts to affect sleep and eating i think that's really important like yes burnout can make you feel emotionally exhausted which can look and feel a lot like physical exhaustion but depression, you know, we're talking change in increase in sleep or decrease in sleep and, and for eating same way, increase or decrease. But that's like a big significant impact on your day to day and the way that you're functioning. You know, if you start to have something like uh, suicidal thoughts, that's much more down the road of, you know, that's a lot more concerning, obviously we don't talk about how common those actually are in people, but like if you've never had them before and you all of a sudden have them, that's scary. And that would be a reason to get help if you've had them before and they seem to be increasing in frequency or how often you're having them, or they seem more serious. That would also be something to be concerned about. I think that one of the things that I try to tell people too is like with depression and anxiety, it's like how much is it interfering with your day-to-day life? Like, are there things that you want to be doing that you're not doing because of these symptoms? It's like, constellation of symptoms like because you don't feel like getting out of bed or you feel sad or you feel tired or you feel uninterested in the things you used to be interested in you do not now want to do like you know, things with your kids or go to work or something like that. And that's like, a, okay, this is something's wrong because I wanted to do that before. Now I just have no energy, no capacity, no desire. That's that's more concerning. So it can be like spiritual life, you know, family life, you know, um, work life. And, and anyway, it interferes with that. And often like depression or anxiety, it's a little bit longer too. So like, it's not like you just don't sleep for a day. It would be like days you know, when we think of depression, we use weeks. But I also think if you're using the more subjective measure of interfering with day to day life, like whenever it interferes, and it becomes a problem, that's when you get help, or that's when you talk to someone.
0: What are some of the more subtle um, ways that this can show up? You know, I think we're looking for many of the things that you just um, outlined so well for us. But I think what are some of the earlier signs, some of those precursors, some or maybe not even subtle, it's quite obvious to you as a psychiatrist, but, you know, um, the average individual or millennial listening wouldn't even stop and think like, whoa, this is related to stress, burnout? This is my mental health? Like, I thought I was just... For whatever examples you think are relevant
1: yeah so if you start on like the burnout spectrum of things you know my warning signs are like I am so annoyed at emails like we're talking not just like I don't like emails, not a lot of people love getting a lot of work emails, but we're talking like, I don't want to open my inbox because I have this sense of like dread of what it is. I'm angry about it. My the way I want to reply to stuff is not really appropriate. Like you are like filtering yourself because you know what you're going to say is not right. But you're just so like That's just what wants to come out is like these words, right. And for me, that also includes my patient inbox, too. So if I start to feel sort of like, you know, angry or frustrated about doing that stuff. I think those are early signs for me, like disconnecting from things that I used to like doing is usually an early sign. So sometimes we just don't realize we're doing that, but we start to say no to a lot of stuff that we would have usually said yes to. But then all of a sudden that's been months and we actually haven't done anything. It's kind of weird because it's a pandemic and like what doing stuff looks like is different. But if you were having like a weekly conversation over Zoom with a friend and then you start to kind of postpone it because, you know, you don't want to deal with their stuff too as much as you love them because you just don't have the capacity to hold their stuff too, that can be a warning sign. I think you start to ignore phone calls or text messages take a little bit longer. Um, You know, you're sleeping a lot of the day. I think sleep like will go pretty early and- in a way that just feels like it's not really you. And it could just be you need to catch up on sleep. But it could be like something to pay attention to substance use, I would say too. like, I think we kind of quickly turn to things that are like, you know, easy coping mechanisms and like with working from home in the pandemic, the kitchen's right behind you and you just go and you're like, I just want to drink after work. And, you know, there there's no like problem with that per se. But if you have a drink after work every day for a year and a half, that's more problematic. If you have a drink and it's not doing the same thing and you now need four, that's more problematic. If you're drinking in the morning, that's more problematic. So there's these like things that you start to kind of realize that are not the same as they were. I think those can be subtle because it's almost like memeable to drink after work. And people are like, well, like I saw that everybody's doing that, so it can't be bad. Right. And I think it's true, but sometimes when everybody can do things, not everybody can actually do them and also that is like a joke sort of thing that's probably like not that helpful for people who actually have histories of things in their their themselves and their family but also you know it's just like you know we can't when things get worse and we start noticing that that's where we have to pay attention so even if something's culturally acceptable it doesn't mean it's right or okay you know and i think that's one of those things too where if you work in a job that you know, values, hard work, and not sleeping, and really long hours, and things like that, and you sort of look around, and you're like, well, I'm doing what everyone else is doing, like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, like, medicine's a very good example of that, you know, you're sort of like, well i'm not burnt out i'm not sad whatever like everyone else is too if i am you know it's probably true everyone else is but if it's like affecting you and you can't do what you want to do and you don't feel okay like it's not a weakness you're just more aware emotionally than like other people you're able to name it you can get help like that's really important like just because a culture has normalized being horrible for your health like physically and mentally doesn't mean we should just be like awesome like I feel horrible and I'm just gonna work within this culture we can still like be the one who changes it or be the one to at least notice it's affecting us personally and make a difference in how we feel
0: but there is still so much stigma attached to that. You know, I am filling out some employment paperwork right now. And I mean, all over it was, you know, a portion asking about like my mental health, what I've sought help for recently. And I think that's a major part of the issue. What do you have to say To people who are concerned about how this affects employment um, in the future, insurance in the future, I think some of those things are pretty heavy on a lot of our minds.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I totally understand that, again, being like in a physician profession where like this is a big reason people don't get help in medicine. I mean, I think you know, I would say, first of all, they're really only supposed to ask you about active impairment, meaning that it like is actively impairing your day to day life. If they're asking questions that are beyond that, it actually violates the Americans with Disabilities Act. It doesn't mean that all of these places are going to change tomorrow, but it does mean that eventually advocacy and, you know, should make them change because they're actually like illegal. Um, You know, the way I like to think about that stuff is like, for the most part, a lot of it is lore. And for the most part, like the stories that you've heard are some extreme story that like, you know, someone actually has like a very significant mental health history that very significantly interfered with their life. Like they were taking medications from the, you know, doctor's office and that was a problem. And then they had a substance use problem. That doesn't mean that like they don't, deserve to then practice ever again or do their job ever again. I very much believe in like, you know, mental health and the ability to get better. And, you know, all of these programs are great. But I do think that like when you hear like people's licenses are suspended or people's whatever, it's often based on much more extreme versions of stories than the one that is like I went to therapy or I took a medicine. And so people have trouble, like, being on this scale, because nobody's like, you know, explicit about what they're doing with the information, or how they process the information, or how they see things differently. But at least from my perspective, and what I've really seen, like, you know, even though they're asking questions that at the forefront are pretty illegal, what they really want to know is that extreme case, they don't really care that you go to therapy or go you know or on a medicine like it's just not it's not important to them you know they care that like you're going to impact patient care or you're going to impact your job in some way or you know it's up to you if you disclose it in some of those capacities too it's not really their choice to be asking that anyway you know and so I think you just kind of have to say like this is a bit of a remainder of people not understanding that mental health is a spectrum, that there's not like now you're sick and now you're not. There's like chronic illness, there's like lesser conditions. There's like people that manage stuff day to day without medicine, but with therapy. And that doesn't mean that there's something wrong, like all the time, and it's going to make them bad at their job, right? So I think it's based on this kind of old school conceptualization of mental health, and we're not there anymore. And I do think that like slowly, the people who are reading those applications are also aware of that when they process the information. Um, So I think that if you need help, I would, I'm always going to tell you to get help. You know, I think when you weigh things, it's like, do I maybe potentially sometimes have this sort of tiny chance that this could affect me? Maybe, but are you much more likely to mess up your job if you're sad and unable to pay attention, or if you're so depressed or burnt out that you can't, like, you make an error? Or are you, like, much more likely to, like, mess up your job because you, like, snapped at your boss and you, like, are just so angry being there all the time? Like, I mean, all of these things impact work just the same. And those are the things that someone could say you were actively impaired, right? And those are the more the places where people could then, like, you know, try to actually do something about it if you did it earlier and you said like I think I'm struggling I'm going to get help you're much less likely to be interfering with your work anyway and it's much more likely to make a big difference in your day-to-day life and kind of catch it before it gets there and I that's always my suggestion to people I'd rather you be better and you know get help than kind of tough it out and hope that you're somehow magically going to get better on your own
0: yeah that is so true so 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 true I think another big thing is that it's no secret the pandemic has made this a million times worse, but to what extent, how bad is it really? Um, because now we've taken away the ways in which we socialize and you know the opportunities for water cooler conversations or coffee you know conversations at work so a lot of people are going through their various mental health situations in silo in their own homes without being able to kind of see the experience of others so yeah could you shed some light on this as a
1: mental health expert yeah i think we don't have awesome burnout data to really know what the change in burnout is yet but I- do think like pretty significant if you look at some smaller studies of just sort of like people feeling like they want to change careers or like they're not you know feeling as like you know connected to what they're doing day to day in their job um but I think that that Comes with some of these changes to like lifestyle, like if you know I'm doing telehealth all the time and now needing to talk to people through a screen, that's going to be more burnout provoking to a lot of people than being in person. And so there's a little bit of data about that, for example. But in terms of like actual anxiety, depression, substance use, things like that, um, you know, if you look at the CDC data it's still increasing. They don't push out data, regular intervals. So it's like a little bit old, but um, the data we have, you know, we're almost at 40%. If you like add the depression and anxiety together, like of people having symptoms and saying that they have that, which is a huge amount of people, Um, you know, usually it's like single digits or teens is kind of what you would imagine for like sort of the global, like the, US population of that. And so it's just kind of increasing over time. It's definitely significantly more than it was in like 2019 if you looked at the 2020 data. And so, you know, it's not easy to directly compare because some of those symptoms might be just because the pandemic's exhausting and you're not able to concentrate and things like that. But um, I do think that that suggests that there's like a large proportion of people that are struggling and that that is gonna be a significant burden on the mental health system. We're seeing an increase. I think people who have COVID also have an increased risk of getting mental health outcomes. I think that's important to also highlight. And I think we'll see that over time as I see a lot of people with long COVID with mental health symptoms, because it's just really hard to have symptoms that are more unexplainable and that we don't have things that we can do. Like we've always seen people with chronic pain. We've always been like the group that ends up seeing a lot of those people. And I think it makes sense because sometimes you don't feel heard by the health system, but also sometimes. You're just kind of struggling without a really good solution, and that can lead to emotional outcomes.
0: I always like to leave my listeners with a little bit of hope or letting them know that there is certainly a bright side. There is light at the end of every tunnel, no matter how dark. So what are some of the ways that our uh, listeners can go about combating
1: these feelings of stress and burnout that are really starting to impact their mental health? Yeah, uh, it's a good question. So I think that there's different things you can do. Again, like when we think of mental health, we have to think about it as a spectrum, and we don't need to think about it as just now I'm super super sick and I'm gonna go get help. Because if you wait till then, of course you're gonna end up seeing someone like me, or of course you're gonna end up needing a therapist because you're already having so many symptoms that are interfering with your day to day life. But if say you started to notice that you were feeling burnt out at the time when I've become more aware, which is like my emails are really taking me off. So, you know, first you have to get used to asking yourself how you're doing, which we don't do very often. Like take time to ask how you're doing, listen to the feelings, figure out what the feelings mean if you want, or just let them be feelings, you know, whatever. But, you know, actually taking time to say how am I at some point during the day, especially as women, especially as caregivers, especially, you know, people who just don't do that in their day to day life. That's a really important thing. So starting there. And then if you're like, I'm feeling, you know, off or burnt out or something, you know, you can kind of do a couple of things. So one, assess your sort of day. And is there a way in your day that you can either take more breaks or you can put things that you like next to things you don't like? So. I've been trying to spend a lot of time with scheduling and like, okay, what do I like that I do all the time? What is really stressful that I do all the time? What do I know that like, I'm going to leave that meeting and I'm going to be angry or I'm going to leave that meeting and I'm going to feel good, whatever. And sort of trying to balance them because we might not have control over the fact that we work because we work, right? But we might have a little more control over like, what you do back to back to back to back and sometimes if you kind of play around with that you can help your mood not feel like just mondays are horrible because all i do on mondays is this horrible stuff that i hate all the time you can kind of spread it out you can kind of pair it together you can kind of make it better and that's a that's a place to start i think when you're also feeling like you're burnt out like figuring out what kind of coping skills work for you can be used at that time so sometimes like we kind of assume that we have to do whatever coping skill the fancy celebrity tells us we have to do or whichever one that our boss is like paying for. So if we're like in the office and all of a sudden they offer yoga, we think we have to do yoga. And like, it's great. If you like yoga, it's really nice that your boss is offering yoga. If you like, like mindfulness, it's really great that like some celebrity told you to do mindfulness, right? But if you don't, that means you have to figure out what you like to do.
0: If you could stand on a mountaintop and deliver one message to millennials regarding stress and burnout and its
1: impact on their mental health, what would you say? Um, Feel all of your feelings and feelings are valid. Um, Because we're really, really taught that feelings get in the way, that feelings don't help with success, that feelings are problematic, that acknowledging them, we're going to like, open this dam and all of a sudden all of our feelings are going to come out and we're not going to be able to function but like actually naming your feelings and giving space to them and allowing them to be is important and anything you feel in any situation is valid so like doesn't matter if i agree or disagree with you if you're angry you feel angry and that's valid right so i think it's important that people realize that your feelings matter. They're not like a weakness. We all have them. We, we should have them. And if I could tell anybody anything, I would say like, feel all the feels that you have, it'll make you, you know, much healthier in the long run. And you won't even realize how much because it feels like such a silly thing. But it is really important to how we function instead of suppressing everything.
0: How can we all
1: follow you and share in your awesomeness on Twitter and Instagram? (laughs) Yeah, so I use um, my handle for both is at Dr. Jesse Gold. I spelled Jesse, J-E-S-S-I because I was a kid who didn't believe there was an E in Jessica, which is true. And so it's just Jessica without the C-A. Um, and that's how I spell my name. And then all of my writing, like that I do, or any pieces if you wanted to see them, are on my website, which is just this like Um, I write about all sorts of mental health stuff that could be helpful for people, or if it helps to feel like, you know, somebody had an experience that, you know, maybe resonates with you in some capacity because they haven't said it out loud. I think I've do a decent job either collecting stories of people or or telling my own. So hopefully that can be helpful for people too.
0: You sure do. Thank you so much, Jesse. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you for having me. Support for this episode came from a partnership with WHYY in Philadelphia and the Commonwealth Fund, affordable, quality health care for everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Millennial Health Podcast. Though my goal is to share some valuable information and draw awareness to some important health issues, I encourage you to please consult your physician for personalized medical advice. I hope this information was beneficial to you. And if so, please subscribe to the Millennial Health Podcast and share with your friends. Please also leave us a review. If you have questions or comments, feel free to reach out on Instagram or Twitter at Dr. J. Shere. D R J A Y S H E R E.